someone else has another opinion that is different than his, then they must think they are right and he is wrong. And that's that emotional immaturity. And that's where somebody as a child was just not allowed to have their own thoughts and feelings and emotions. They continually were on guard of what's the right thing to say so that I don't get in trouble. What's up, everybody? This is Matt here with the Husband-in-Law Podcast. This is where we share our stories of love, ex-love, marriage, ex-marriage, divorce, ex-divorce, and coming out of a closet that needed to be opened, and so much more. This podcast is for those who are looking to up their relationship game by understanding first yourself, and then others, like your wife, your husband, and your wife's ex-husband, on a whole new level. Welcome to the Husband-in-Law Podcast. Let's get this party started. Today is the day we are kicking off the summer series of this podcast. We usually take a break during the summer, but I decided to go ahead and bring you some content that I feel you really need. Over the course of the summer, I'm going to be interviewing some amazing experts on different things that are pertaining to relationships. Now, yes, it is specifically for relationships where you have experienced betrayal or have had a partner come out, but this information and these experts can speak to any type of relationship, I am sure that you will gain nuggets of knowledge from every episode that we are dropping this summer. It is going to be so information packed and so awesome. I know you are going to get things and feel seen and heard and supported and loved as we go throughout this month. Now, we are going to kick it off with one of my favorites, Tony Overbay. Tony Overbay is a licensed marriage and family therapist, speaker, author, and podcast host. With over 8 million downloads, his award-winning podcast, The Virtual Couch, has been listened to in over 170 countries around the world. Since it released in 2021, his podcast, Waking Up to Narcissism, has been a mainstay in the mental health category. Waking Up eventually led to the creation of a private Facebook group for women in relationships with narcissistic individuals and the Waking Up to Narcissism premium question and answer podcast a subscription-based question-and-answer podcast that now funds a nonprofit to help women pay for some of the mental health costs of being in an unhealthy relationship. Tony recently released a new true crime meets therapy podcast called Murder on the Couch, co-hosted with his daughter, Sydney. His first book, He's a Porn Addict, Now What? An expert and a former porn addict, Answer Your Questions, spent two years as a bestseller in the sexual health and recovery category on Amazon. In addition to his books and podcasts, Tony offers online courses for marriage, parenting, and addiction. He has been married to his high school sweetheart for over 32 years and has four adult children. An avid runner, he has competed in over 150 marathons, you guys, that is nuts, and ultra marathons, including over a dozen races that are over 100 miles or more. To learn more about Tony, you can visit his website at tonyoverbay.com. Please be sure to look up his podcasts, his all of his resources. This man is seriously a wealth of knowledge, and he is one of the most loving, supportive people you will ever meet. When I talk to Tony, I just feel instantly like I am a million bucks and one of the coolest people ever. And those are the type of people you want in your life. So please welcome Tony to the podcast this week. Tony, I am so excited to be chatting with you again. I love your podcast. I love the work that you do. And so thank you for being here on my podcast this time. Oh, I was honored and I was giddy. And then I, right when we jumped on before you hit record, I mean, I just, I saw the background you have. It reminded me of when we talked a couple of years ago and I just got excited. So I'm, uh, I'm grateful to be here. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and wealth with so many people. Like it's changing lives and 
it's needed. So thanks. Very nice. I, I don't enjoy receiving compliments. So uh, I'm blushing and wanting to change the subject. So thank you. <laughs> it's good for you then. I figure that's good for you. Sure. <laughs> Going to make you as uncomfortable as possible. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. I, uh, and I talk as a therapist often of what do we do with our discomfort? And I, and I typically turn to humor and try to divert. But I will sit with a little bit of it now because I'm a fan of you. So here that I am. That is sitting so funny. Uh, so to start off here, Tony, I would love to hear just about you personally. Give us a little bit of who you are yeah. and your life. Okay. I literally, after I just said, I don't like, uh, you know, I don't like the the spotlight or that sort of thing. You know, what's funny too, is I thought I did. I really did think that's what I mm. wanted when I even started a podcast seven, eight years ago. And then uh, now the more the the feedback, the validation is uncomfortable. And so I realized that was, you know, here's the therapist uh, being a therapist on his self. But I realized, oh, that, you know, I always had the, oh, I'll be happy when. I'll be happy yeah. when I have a podcast. I'll be happy when it has a few million downloads. I'll be happy when I have emails coming in. Turns out that wasn't the answer. So I think I had to actually find that happiness from within. But I'm a marriage and family therapist and a speaker and, and a writer and all those things, a podcast host. Um, but before I did that, I was in the world of corporate America, the uh, in the world of computer software for 10 years. And the reason I just mentioned that is um, I could go down the path of I felt the call to become a therapist. But mm. But even more so, I just didn't even know how much I didn't like what I was doing. And I just thought it was just what you do and you don't have to like it. And then I I kind of do the, I become the therapist and I do it through night school and I do it part-time and I think it's not even going to be a full-time thing. And so then once it really became the thing, then I realized, oh, it, this is what it feels like to actually enjoy what you do. And so part of me just wants to just help people. It sounds so cliched, but find their passion and do what they love to do and and so I've been doing therapy now for 17 or 18 years. And that's weird to me. I can't even believe it. And uh, and so I love everything about it. And so that's why um, I just, if I find something that I, a subject or a topic or, or some mental health concept that I love, I just can't get enough of it. And I feel like I just find all these pieces that go together. And so whether I'm working with addiction and and I do, I used to do a lot with addiction and I and identified, okay, oh, the, you know, turning to unhealthy coping mechanisms. So then I realized, okay, if I'm helping somebody try to avoid turning to unhealthy coping mechanisms, well, why do they do that? Well, it's because they aren't happy in their marriage or their parenting or their faith or their health or their career. So let's go find a nice evidence-based uh, therapeutic modality to hit each one of those. And before you know it, now I'm doing couples therapy and doing parenting coaching. And then I'm working. I mean, so just everything has just just been so exciting and it falls into place. And so I, if you can't tell, I could just eat this stuff up. So uh, yeah. I don't know if that's where you wanted to go with that, but uh, I love that. I love that. I yeah. I love that you came from corporate to now oh, this. That's so crazy. And I think that's a powerful message of we often think, oh, I just need to do the grind nine to five, do the thing. I don't need to be happy with it. I don't need to enjoy it. And that like crushes me. I'm like, dude, this no. is a huge part of your life. Like, let's go and find something you love doing. And you're yeah. not going to love it every day, but no. no. And you're really not. And okay, I have to tell you a funny story. I, I was probably 10 years into doing this and I would sit across the couch from people that are saying the things like, you know, I really like whatever. I, I'll give just a, not a real example. But I love fishing, but then they say, but I mean, I, I don't, I can't, I don't want to make that a career because then I won't love it anymore. And I would say, right, no, I hear you. And then one day it hits me that, hang on a minute, I actually love what I do. And it is my career. And it hasn't become then a bad thing. So I thought, oh, yeah. that's just a story that that people are telling themselves. 
you know, to keep them from going after the things that they really want to do and uh, or that they could do more as a career. And we'll probably talk a little bit more about this as we get into the topic today, because there's a concept of uh, where I'm going to we'll, we'll get to this. We'll talk about healthy ego versus pathological defensive narcissism. And I really feel like I can give an example of what my emotional immaturity looked like in a job that I didn't care about, where I had to try to prove that I was of worth and special versus this healthy ego of being in a career that I actually enjoy. So I want to learn more about it. And then it's a lot easier than to take ownership of the things you know. And then what comes in along with that is, and here's the things I don't know when you're yeah. in a career where you really don't care and you're trying to prove that you you matter, then you're like, no, I think I know a little bit about everything. And then the people around you realize you really don't, you know, but you're trying to defend <laughs> your fragile ego, but we'll get to more of that, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I love this. <laughs> and I think it's interesting because you and I, I mean, I coach women, I work with women yeah. who are going through crisis in their relationship or who've had a partner come out. And I tell people, when I tell people what I do, I'm like, I love this work. It's so much fun. I say the word fun. And people know, are like, right? what? And I'm like, <laughs> I know, but I love it. Like, it's just so yeah. great. It's rewarding. And same thing. Like, I just want to help people. It sounds cliche. Well, but Jessica, no, you, I love what you say because we'll have a difficult session. And I'll start. And I, I, I think I did this yesterday with a, with a woman where at the end I was like, okay, that was like really cool. And I'm like, I mean, bad, cool, but cool. Like, I mean, the kind of yeah. cool where, I mean, we did good work and then I'm sitting there yes. thinking this is, and, and even I've been very fortunate to have a, be in a position now where that, you know, I have the wait list and I'm booked out and a lot of people will send me nice things of help me. And, and, uh, and so, I mean, I, that's not, I hate that, you know, quote, good problem to have because it makes yeah. me work more than I ever would have because yeah. I, I have a hard time saying no, mm -hmm. but, um, but boy, when I get a new client, because I don't get them often, because I've taken a couple of new clients recently. I am almost giddy and and it's yes. silly because the, you know, I, I work with, I'm like, I, I can't wait to talk to you, you know, yep. like, what, tell me what brings you in. And then no one sets up the appointment with a therapist to pay them money to then tell them everything's great, you know? So then yeah. I almost feel like I gotta, I gotta, <laughs> you know, hold it back a little bit and then get my, yeah. my serious therapist face on a little bit, but uh, it is, yeah. it is, it is, I do enjoy it. It is fun. It's exciting to see people have breakthroughs. And yeah. their incredible. lives shift and morph. And uh, oh, that's incredible. It's amazing to assist in that. Yeah. So, and this is why I'm excited to have you on is you are passionate about what you do and yeah. you bring this excitement and you have so much education behind you because you want to keep growing. You want to keep Thank supporting you. people. And so you can, I mean, I listen to your stuff. I'm just like, man, this that's is nice. so good and so powerful. So today we are going to dive in some about how we, navigate relationships with a narcissist mm -hmm. yeah. because whether you are staying in like any type of relationship with them, whether you're a parent, child, sibling, yeah. um, a romantic rela relationship, like most of them are a part of your life for a long time. Some of them we can cut off, but also mm -hmm. like, how do you navigate that? So I would love for you to start into this. I know you have so many thoughts. I know. I don't even, honestly, like if we could start all the way from the womb, you know, and, and our abandonment and our attachment issues, or we jump in with like the defining maybe narcissism versus emotional immaturity or wherever you want to go. I, let's start there. Like I would yeah. love to jump in at the womb, but let's have people, <laughs> I will direct people to your podcast. Okay, good, to, let's that, yeah. go there. 
Um, but I let's start with the uh, like the emotional side of this, immaturity. like versus yes, immaturity yeah. versus narcissism. Let's go. Yeah. And so um, so and I love I really I, it's so good to see you, Jessica. And, and so you know, stop me at any point. You know, I hope you know I would never be offended if you want to get me back on topic, but because um, I'll I'll kind of do a little tangent here, and that's just to say that Perfect. so I, I'm I'm being a therapist, and there's the joke in the world of therapy that therapists go become therapists to work on themselves and not me. I just thought it would sound like fun, but man, it it was, it was 100% about me. And so I get into the world of therapy and I did feel this calling to work with men. And so then my joke is always, then I get working and I was working for my church and then, you know, they put me in charge of, uh, I'm working with men that are struggling with uh, pornography as a coping mechanism. I don't, mm -hmm. you know, faith yeah. crisis and same sex attraction. So I, you know, I was like, okay, cool. I didn't realize that was like, uh, hey, nobody else will take these. So here you go, you know, yeah. um, but I am starting to be able to get this chance to work with men primarily coming in to, and again, it's people call it pornography addiction. That isn't actually a, a, a diagnosis. So I talk about turning to pornography as an unhealthy coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so then I get people in there and that's where I started coming up with the, they turn to these unhealthy coping mechanisms because of these voids that I identified. So if they don't feel good in their marriage or their parenting, their health, their faith, or their career. So I was never going to be a couples therapist because when you don't really have solid training, I might have one or two couples on my on my list early on. And I just thought, oh, man, this is a nightmare because you're kind of trained out of school to just do the reflective listening. And then, you know, oh, I, you, know, you, you get the guy to say, well, I hear that she is saying that she hates me. And I'm like, OK, good. Mm -hmm. So you 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 hear her. That, that's good. You know, and, and then you kind of sit back as the therapist and you say, OK, so there you go, you guys. And it just it wasn't anything that I enjoyed. So. Then when I find that, okay, I need to help guys in their marriage, they stop turning to unhealthy coping mechanisms. And I go find this model of therapy called emotionally focused therapy, EFT. And then I finally have a tool or a framework. And so then I get a few hundred couples later, and then I start developing some of my own tools around EFT. I've got these four pillars of a connected conversation, which I think are just gold. But then what I notice is, so now I'm feeling more comfortable working with more couples and I'm up to maybe 10, 15, 20 a week. And you would just see that, that there just was something different about a lot of the couples I would work with. Some would get the tools and I would just say this, we don't know what we don't know. And everybody comes into relationships codependent and enmeshed just because we do, because of our mm -hmm. abandonment wounds, our attachment wounds and our fear. If they really find out who I am, they'll leave. So we agree about a lot of things, but then you go through life and you start having experiences. And of course you're going to be, have different thoughts, feelings, and emotions because you're two different human beings. But then some of the couples that would come in couldn't access, they couldn't use my tools. And uh, and so I, you know, I'm turning, I'm handing this framework and people would just say, oh my gosh, thank you. And then they would use it. And I became the Sherpa and help them just navigate how to use this framework. And then they would live happily ever after. But I'm noticing, but there's a group of people that are not able to use the framework because they are so special that when I hear how bad their spouse is, then I will throw away my own framework and then I will side with them yeah. and we will tell their, their spouse that they are the problem. And then, you know, they will maintain their control. I mean, I'm oversimplifying. Yeah. And that's where I start, you know, noticing. And the reason I brought this part up earlier is like, I start noticing, oh, I, I kind of do some of those things sometimes, you know, even the nice guy part of emotional immaturity is like, well, I, I don't want to tell the truth because it will hurt this person's feelings. Or, you know what, uh, I don't want to tell, I don't want to admit this thing right now because, because I, I'm never going to do it again. And I really mean it in this moment, you know, so that alleviates my discomfort, but then I don't go do any work about it. And, and so I'm starting to notice more of these patterns and I'm noticing things in myself. And so the more I start looking at them, I start noticing and I start referring to 
um, narcissistic traits and tendencies. So I'm thinking, okay, man, that full-blown narcissism is this grandiose, malicious, malignant uh, version of someone that is just, yeah. you know, has no regard for anyone else. But I'm starting to see people that are showing up and like, and, and they they want to be better, but they can't sit with discomfort for a second. I mean, they can't take ownership. They can't take accountability. And that's where I really started, you know, and meanwhile, anytime I would put out a podcast on the virtual couch and I just say the word narcissism, I could count on an extra five to 10,000 downloads. And so then, you know, that, that, right, it really was. And I find myself getting interviewed more about narcissism and, and, and I'm just noticing so much of what's showing up in my office, what I'm noticing about myself. I'm going and trying to find more tools and things to help. And, and so then that's where I, I start this idea of this waking up to narcissism podcast. And then I sat on it for over a year because I don't even know why I just kind of kept putting it off. And, and at time, I mean, I even almost called it, and this is almost embarrassing. I get the, here's a scoop for you, Jessica. I almost <laughs> called it narcissist in recovery. Cause I was going to talk about myself and, and my oh. own narcissistic waking up or traits or tendencies. But then I just started realizing, man, it's it's our emotional immaturity. And so then once I kind of started talking about we're all emotionally immature, basically, until we're not. And and so then that, you know, people were able to kind of sit with that a little bit. So so the waking up to narcissism, I was very intentional about that name because it's waking up to the narcissism in my relationship, whether it's with my spouse, my parent, my adult child, my my religious institution, my work, my boss, you name it. And so yeah. then, or waking up to the narcissistic traits and tendencies in ourselves. And so, and so then about, I don't know, it was eight, nine episodes in, I did an episode called, am I the narcissist? Because that, that podcast, it went nuts. I mean, I had to hire an assistant, a wonderful lady named Naomi. She, I get more email than I could. I've got hundreds, Jessica, hundreds of pages of people's examples because they just thought they were crazy. And then they hear these stories yeah. and examples, right? And they go, oh my gosh, that, it, you know, all these things that say, it sounds like you were in my house or you heard my argument or, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And so, so then I make this conscious effort to do an episode where I say, okay, here's what narcissistic personality disorder is. And it's some people estimate between two and 5% of the population. That's a real small right. percentage. But if I start with, but we're all emotionally immature in different areas until we're not, now we're, now we're talking because now it becomes more about, um, how was I raised? Was I modeled people that parents that took ownership or accountability? You know, was I allowed to have my own thoughts and feelings? You know, uh, did I get, did I get in trouble a lot? I mean, because in this where I start talking about gaslighting as a childhood defense mechanism, you know, if I was never allowed to have feelings or emotions, or I would get in trouble then as a kid. And, and that's where it's like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I can't take ownership of anything because I worry that my parents will boot me out of the house in essence. And meanwhile, I'm not seeing them take ownership of anything. So it's like this, we don't know what we don't know. We, you know, we come from more emotionally immature parents and now we show up in relationships and we think that that's just the way you do it. You know, you just, you don't stay, you're not open and honest about things. You, you don't share your feelings or if somebody shares their feelings and it's different than yours, we've got this almost like this all or nothing, black or white, you know, life's a zero sum game. So if you have that opinion, you must think that mine is wrong, you know, and, and you can start to just do so much with that in your mind. And so now all of a sudden I'm, I'm having more success with couples that are starting to wake up to their emotional immaturity. But meanwhile, though, there's still a pretty heavy population that I don't even think you could you could diagnose them as narcissistic. But I feel like they they have they are so emotionally immature that it's just too painful or there's too much discomfort 
when faced with accountability or um, the fact that they may do things that they are not happy with or proud of. And so then the more that the person that they are with, and I'm going to go with the gender stereotyped, you know, male is more narcissistic, typically the more emotionally immature than the female. But again, that doesn't mean it's always the case, but that's Mm -mm. like where you see a lot of it lie. Uh So in that scenario, then when when the the woman in that case starts to wake up to the emotional immaturity in the relationship, when she starts to bring awareness to it, it isn't like the guy says, oh my gosh, you're right. Thank you. You know, what will happen is, is he will often push bigger buttons to get her to react, to fall back into that codependency and that enmeshment. And so that's what creates this whole trauma bond. And then people just stay in that relationship for forever a lot of times, yeah. you know, and, and then, and, it, and at some point they start to just feel like this must be my lot in life, you know, that I must not be allowed to have my own thoughts and opinions and it'll be different some other time, maybe when the kids are out of the house or, you know, whatever that looks like. So I'm going to take a break because I think I've just uh, talked forever, but I don't know if that's like the direction. I love even... it. It's amazing. Well, and I think too, the idea, I mean, I work with a lot of women who are at this point, right where you said, of, yeah. this is just my lot. I have yeah. found myself here. It's not worth leaving. It's not worth the pain on the other side. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to sacrifice my myself to stay here. Yeah. And um and it's heartbreaking, but it, it does is. feel overwhelming to leave a lot of the time or to try and tackle this. Uh, and I think too, like, it's just, yeah, the someday of, oh, it'll be better when, oh, it'll yeah. be better when. And I'm like, but why wait until when, yeah. like, be happy now, like, let's find you happiness now. Yeah. And I like that you're saying that. Cause so I've got these things. Um, I I've got what I basically look at as these five rules of, of basically interacting with a, a narcissistic or emotionally immature person. And my first one is to to raise your emotional baseline. And that's my version of self-care. And and I mean, I've done episodes. I've got a private women's Facebook group now that's about 600 women. And we do um, weekly group calls. And we've done a couple of extended group calls on what this means, this raise your baseline or what self-care looks like. And it doesn't mean you have to go run a marathon. It can be, I can just start to listen to a podcast or I can start to read an article or I can even start to just think about what it would be like to express myself, even if I don't feel like I can right now, because once you start to just allow yourself to think and and start to hope a little bit, maybe dream, um, it is going to start to change what's called your implicit memory or what it feels like to be you, which is is shaped off the gradual residue of your lived experience. So the more you're even just starting to think or, or you know, I love that watching these women and, and I'm about to start a men's group too. So, but the women's group is so strong and it just, is, it's, it's this, thriving entity where where yeah. they, there's just support. And I feel like once you recognize you're not alone, and sometimes women come into the group and they just read others' experiences before they even participate. Mm-hmm. But I say, so raising your baseline can just start to, to hope or think or, you know, dream or connect and that sort of thing. And then the second thing I'd say is, is to get your PhD in gaslighting because that gaslighting is a real thing and where, you know, and that's, I think, what starts to cause people to feel like it's not even worth expressing my opinion if mm-hmm. that opinion is going to be turned back around and, and I'm going to be made to feel like I'm crazy or I'm wrong or I shouldn't have even expressed it. And then the third thing I talk about is then with those two in mind, then get out of the unproductive conversations because they are where the crazy making happens. And the fourth one is learn to set healthy boundaries. And unfortunately, what starts coming along with this is a boundary is is a challenge for a narcissist or an emotionally mm-hmm. immature person. So when you set the boundary and then you watch them try to 
just rush past the boundary or or that's where I feel like people will push more buttons because they you're like, oh, really? You know, you you think that um, that uh, you're going to leave whenever I if I start to raise my voice. Well, you know, then I'm just going to raise it even louder and I'm going to follow you and I'm going to you know say mean things. And then, but the fifth one is the one that's, I think the most difficult, but kind of the most eye-opening is I say that just, we have to accept the fact that you will never say or do anything that will cause them to have the aha moment or the epiphany. Like it has to be them. And that one, I feel like that one is so difficult because we're talking about what I call the pathologically kind or the people that typically find themselves with the more emotionally immature and narcissistic. So they're programmed to, I will, I will hang in here. I will come up and find the thing that I can do or say that will finally get this person to see that, that, you know, that I care or we can change or it can be different. But the unfortunate part is when now we are over into that world of extreme emotional immaturity or really strong narcissistic traits or tendencies, when you try to give them that aha moment or the epiphany, you're handing them more buttons to push when when they want to get you back in that enmeshment and codependency. So when I have people that start to do those five things, it's definitely going to change the dynamic of the relationship. But the the unfortunate part is, you know, a lot of times that's it's just this it's this interesting dichotomy of that the person's going to start to feel better. Because they're going to start to be more aware. But but unfortunately, a lot of times, if they're in a position where they're listening to the narcissist podcast and joining the Facebook groups and happen to do these things, I mean, you know, I can't be the one to give them the aha moment or the epiphany, you know, yep. that has to come yep. for themselves. And oftentimes then it, it can get a little bit more difficult because part of when you know you're doing it right is when unfortunately the, the emotionally immature person pushes bigger buttons. Yeah. And then at some point you learn to to not get as engaged and and then that can that can really change the dynamic of the relationship. And and I want to say, you know, sometimes for the better, but it's always going to be for the better if if that person is going to learn yeah. to start to thrive and survive. And I, and again, I can only imagine what you're thinking right now because you exude this, you know, now I feel like hand over to my friend Jessica, because this is where I feel like I love the combination of a therapist and a life coach. Right, I'm gonna be right there by them on the journey because I want the life coach to say you can do this, and here's the things, and here's the even here's even Tony's five things, and you've got this, and they do until they don't, and then they want to beat themselves up, and then they want to say yes. it's not worth it, and then I want to come in and slide beside them and say, hey, tell me what's going on here, like, you know, because that's gonna be some some really deep stuff that's coming up, and so uh, that's where I feel like okay, they need yeah. a combo pack, yeah. Yeah, let's give it to them. Do it. Okay, I'm down. <laughs> oh my gosh. I think there's like these five rules are mm. the key. And mm. I see them over and over again. And it's in every relationship. It's it not, is. you know, there's, you know, working through this process. And I think that last one, like, it brings me almost to tears of thinking of these women that I work with that getting them to this point of accepting the fact that they cannot push an aha moment with their partner mm is the moment like when so. if they can get there it's like this release i see in them of like oh my gosh this weight is finally gone I like that yeah this weight of of needing to push this and understanding that i get to take care of myself like genuinely yeah. take care of myself and um it's a big deal it's it a big is. deal well, and, and I appreciate you bringing that up because what I talk about often is, yeah, we're, we get into relationships codependent and enmeshed and on video, I got my hands right here, but the goal is to become interdependent and differentiated and differentiation is 
is where one person ends and the other begins. So yeah, we're going to feel codependent and enmeshed, but then we're going to go through life and we're going to have our these experiences. And those are the opportunities to really discover who we are and then who your partner is. Because ultimately, I mean, I do feel like, yeah, we're meant to get in relationships to, you know, the the old procreate and replenish the earth. But really, I feel like you need another partner in, in the grand scheme of things to process, you know, the Sue Johnson, founder of Emotionally Focused Therapy, says we're designed to process emotion in concert with another human. So if we're left to just our own thoughts, we can find ourselves in this echo chamber. And that's what the emotionally immature does is they only want people around them. They're going to validate them and not challenge them. But but if we're really going to grow, I mean, I want to be able to say, here's how I feel and have somebody I really trust say, man, tell me more about that. And then say, I can I, I hear you. Here's here's my experience. And I want to be able to look at that with curiosity because now I can grow because ultimately every opportunity in our life is an opportunity for me to, to self-reflect. And then, you know, what do I, what can I learn here from here? And sometimes it's nothing. Like what I love about differentiation is somebody can say, I think you're a big jerk, you know, and I can say, man, thank you so much. And and I want to take a look at that. Like, help me understand like yeah. my blind spots and what are you seeing? But if I know that, that that isn't who I am because I am working on myself and it isn't about just, you know, defending my, my ego, then I can say, I so appreciate that, you know, and, and yeah. I'm going to be more aware. But I, I give this example often where when I was on this journey myself, and at one point my wife uh, gave me the, this, you know, sometimes we're not exactly sure which version of you we're going to get. And I thought, <laughs> you mean, no, I'm always the cool, fun version. But then, you know, she brought up at times if I come home and and maybe I'm, I'm saying, oh my gosh, you know, everybody's spending all the money. And, but then other times I'm coming in, I'm literally like making it rain as they say. Yeah. You know? And I, and, and I love the fact that, okay, that what an opportunity for me to self-confront with, mm-hmm. because I, I love and trust her. And then I had to take a look at that. And I said, man, there is absolute truth in that. And mm-hmm. when I am, you know, stressed, or maybe it's the end of the month or paid bills or somebody canceled or whatever, then yeah, I all of a sudden bring that home and I'm not even aware that that's how I'm showing up. So thank you, person I care about. And then, you know, and now now I have to recognize that, oh, there are times where I still may want to do that, but then that's a me issue. So then I yes. need to be able to ground myself and open the door and show up regardless. And, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. So yeah. anyway, I know that's a bit of a tangent, but but I but I like what you were saying where when you can watch somebody almost start to become alive when they recognize I don't have to manage the other person's emotions and I don't have to be their, you know, their person that is going to um, make them feel good or or whatever. It's like I am good and I want to invite them to come along in this journey and we can be good together in a sense. Yeah. 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 And I think a lot of times people are afraid to engage in this work, like these, yeah. these five rules, because they already know what's on the other side of that for them. Some of them already know they need to leave the relationship. Yeah, And that is so scary to accept or to embrace that yeah. they're like, I don't want to do the work because I know they know in their gut, like, this is the outcome. Yeah. And so I watch people just fight that. And I'm just like, just so come much. on, just come on. You're going to feel so much better. And I think one of the other powerful ones of these I want to touch on before we end is get out of the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> we have such a need to defend <laughs> ourselves. Yeah. To say our part, to have our side heard. And I've realized this gets nobody anywhere, especially. It yeah. It's just like. You know who you are. And once you know deep in you who you are, you let go of that need to defend and to put it out there. Unless, I mean, there's certain instances sure. that, sure. 
But most of the time, I think we feel like, well, I have to say this or I need to do this. I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> okay. Can I, you just gave me the aha for real. Um, but that when I talked earlier about my career, so can I tell you this concept of healthy ego versus yeah. this pathology? Okay. Yes. So here's what I like. And I'm, and I'm, I took this work that a lady named Eleanor Greenberg, um, she does a lot of writing around narcissism. And she was talking about, uh, in this context, she was saying, um, that uh, normal versus pathological narcissism, because she was talking about that. Unfortunately, she said in the English language, the word narcissism has come to mean two entirely different things, depending on whether it's being used as a diagnosis or as a synonym for positive self-regard. Now, I love Eleanor Greenberg's work, but I do not ever hear it used as a synonym for positive self-regard. No. But then she gives such a great definition that then I, I, I'm changing it uh, with giving her credit for her definition. So she says normal, healthy narcissism. So I'm going to own the fact that I am now saying normal, healthy ego. Um, this is a realistic sense of positive self-regard that's based on the person's actual accomplishments. It's a relative, it's relatively stable because the person is assimilated into their self-image, the success that's come as a result of their actual hard work to overcome real life obstacles. So because it's based on real achievements, normal, healthy ego is relatively impervious to the minor slights and setbacks that we all experience as we go through life. Normal ego causes us to care about ourselves, do things that are in our self uh, in our own self-interest and is associated with genuine self-respect. One can think of it as something that's inside of us. So when I talk now about as a therapist, I, I love what I do. I eat it up. I don't, I'm not going to just uh, pull up something and then try to pretend I know something about it. But I, I, if I am expressing something to you, it is because it has been workshopped. It has been tested. It has been implemented. It's a part of my world or my life. And then, and then here's why I love that she then gives this uh, definition of pathological defensive narcissism. So this would be the opposite of healthy ego. So now, and I really do, if I go back to my 10 years in the computer industry, this was my existence. And this is where I realized my own narcissistic traits and tendencies. So she says, pathological defensive narcissism is a defense against feelings of inferiority. The person dons a mask of arrogant superiority in an attempt to convince the world that he or she is special. Inside, the person feels very insecure about his or her actual self-worth. And this facade of superiority is so thin that it's like a helium balloon. One small pinprick will deflate it. So this makes the person hypersensitive to minor slights that somebody with normal, healthy ego wouldn't even notice. Instead, somebody with this type of defensive narcissism is easily wounded, frequently takes any form of disagreement as criticism, and then is likely to lash out and devalue anybody who they think is disagreeing with them. So they're constantly on guard trying to protect their status or their, their ego. Pathological narcissism can be thought of as a protective armor that's on the outside of us. So I just love those two things. And I talk often about standing in my healthy ego to the point where I know people don't know what I'm talking about. And, and but when I'm when I'm saying I'm going to come from a place of healthy ego, it's that I'm saying something that I absolutely feel confident about. And part of that, when you can bring that into a relationship, what comes with that is this also it comes with this subconscious building of trust through then if somebody says, well, what do you think about this other thing? Then I I am I have no problem saying, oh, I really don't know. Like, I'm, I'm yes. not sure where when I was, I mean, literally, like when I was in that computer industry, if somebody was going to say, hey, uh, my printer needs fixing. I mean, I couldn't just say, oh, I have no idea. But it would be like, well, it's probably like a connection with your, you know, whatever. And I, I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And then I think so I think what's so interesting is that you start to notice that the 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 more emotionally immature or narcissistic people around you have they really do have opinions, strong opinions about anything. And that's where I often hear uh, maybe a woman in my office say, 
you know, my husband thinks he knows better than the doctor. He knows better than the therapist. Mm-hmm. He knows better than the, of course he does, because he is so, it's a defense against feelings of inferiority because he's yes. coming from a place of if someone else has another opinion that is different than his, then they must think they are right and he is wrong. And that's that emotional immaturity. And that's where somebody as a child was just not allowed to have their own thoughts and feelings and emotions. They continually were on guard of what's the right thing to say so that I don't get in trouble. So now, you know, and it just, it breaks my heart. And I yeah. think one of the, the more difficult things is even the, when people are starting to learn more about the emotional maturity or narcissistic traits and tendencies in the relationship, it's the pathologically kind person that is learning you know, that that mm-hmm. narcissism or emotional immaturity is this it's this series of coping strategies that that came as a as an adaptation to childhood situations where now the person has low self-esteem and they they can't regulate themselves without external validation or other people, you know, telling them yeah. they're okay. And then that comes with a dose of lower empathy. So then it's like sometimes when when the people that listen to the podcast or join the group learn these things, then they almost want to go back and now, but I, now I can just tell him, you know, now, mm-hmm. now I can give him the aha moment because I understand, you know, this is his childhood wounding and oh no, because <laughs> now, now he's in that, that one comes with a guarantee of, oh, so you're a, you're a psychologist now, huh? You know, yeah. well, well, then go work <laughs> on yourself, you know, and then it's like, okay, there we go again. Right. Yes. Yes. It's the so cycle sad. that it goes yeah. through. And yeah. it is like listening to that second definition that you gave. It is just like heartbreaking because you know, this isn't their fault or anything like it's just the conditioning of their life. And so you want to be empathetic and you want to be loving and you can be, but also you don't have to do it at your expense. You don't. And I think that's the hard thing to navigate when we've been taught you need to be nice and you need to be kind and understanding all those things. Yes, we can, but also we can take care of ourselves first. So yeah. And that's why I like the the, the healthy ego. Then if somebody knows they're Mm -hmm. a good mom, then I want them to know they're a good mom and they don't have to defend it. And if he is telling them you're not, you're a bad mom. I have just I'll, I'll make this really quick, but I call them popcorn moments. And, and this is where, you know, once you recognize that the person, the emotionally mature person is trying to get you to react and you don't react, they're going to go through and and you just sit back and eat popcorn and watch the show. And act one yeah. might be like anger. And, and it's, a you know, you're a horrible person. If you just sit back and like, oh, OK, I'm, this this is an interesting part of the movie. Then the next the next uh, you have a little popcorn and then the next moment is probably going to be the comedy, you know, the. I'm kidding, you know, I'm just joking around, you know, and it's like, because sometimes that would get you and you're like, oh, okay, good. He's joking. But if it's like, I'm still sitting there, I'm gonna have another bite. Now it's the drama. Now they're Mm -hmm. crying. Oh, what is wrong with me? I'm a horrible person. And, you know, and then it's like, oh, that's this one's really hard because I want to go say, no, you're not. You're awesome. But I'm just gonna eat a little more popcorn and then you'll get what I, I do call the narcissistic exit. You know, then it's like, okay, well, you know what? I don't even care. Fine. I'm gone you know, and, and then end scene and you just watch the whole movie. It's pretty fascinating. Oh man, man. I, yes, <laughs> I could listen to you talk about this all day, <laughs> which you can over on your podcast. Oh. So this is the time we've got yeah. to tell us where people can find you, oh. um, all the things, and I'll make sure all of this is in the show notes as well. No, I appreciate it. And I, I, we, I, I honestly, this isn't me just uh, giving false praise, but like, come on my podcast again. Let's talk about some stuff. I mean, this Let's would be fun. It. It's so good, right? Yeah. Um, but, but you can just go to, to tonyoverbay.com, but, or Instagram is like, I think it's tonyoverbay underscore LMFT. And you know what's really funny? One of my daughters is doing some of the, I've got a, an amazing social media team uh, now, this group called the Yeah Yeah Agency. And it's like, talk about not knowing what I didn't know. I always tried to to do my own thing. And then it's, you know, 
And that was coming from my pathological defensive narcissism. Now in my healthy ego, it's like, I, I have no clue what I'm doing. And mm -hmm. so anyway, so the I love the fact that I'm getting more content out there with with therapy, therapeutic advice, reels yeah. that are out there. And one of my daughters is uh, managing a TikTok account that I did. I promised her I didn't care. But now it's like I'm a TikTok therapist. And and the reason I bring that up is I really did say I don't care at all. And a couple of the, the clips have got like a million views or whatever. And and I'm and I promise you, this is the healthy ego part. If I didn't have a healthy ego, if I would have done this three or four years ago, I would have lost my mind because the, you yeah. know, the 99% of the comments are great, but the 1% oh. on a million comments is a lot of people saying mean things, but with the healthy ego, it's like, oh, bless their heart. Cause they, they're trying mm -hmm. to poke cause they're, you know, hurt people, hurt people kind of a thing. Yep. So that from the healthy ego, it's like, oh, I don't have to defend myself because they're trying to push buttons. But so yeah, TikTok, uh, Instagram, Facebook, but I have the Virtual Couch podcast, which literally this morning I hit play on episode, I think 376. And then waking up to narcissism when I think I'm I'm pushing 80 episodes. There's a premium um, episode that you can find on Apple Podcasts. It's waking up to narcissism, premium question and answer. It's five bucks a month. The proceeds are going to help people, help women in that need help with uh, paying for yeah. things like mental health services. And so, and, and I just, every week I just get on there and I answer questions and answers. Q&A is about narcissism and emotional immaturity. And then I just have to plug one more thing. I'm two episodes in, episode two released yesterday of another project I'm doing with one of my other daughters called Murder on the Couch. And it's uh, true crime meets therapy. And it is, it is Jessica, it's like, it's been such a blast because my daughter does all the, the true crime research. She loves that stuff. And I just have to show up and then weigh in and be funny and wax philosophic on all things psychological about true crime cases that she brings up. And so, but I mean, and and there's so much there because I just want to say like, there's someone that, you know, we have these opportunities to really connect with our kids where they're at. Yeah. And again, this is, I'm probably now you're being my therapist, but it's funny because she's, I mean, I, I've never had to click the explicit uh, box on any of my podcasts, but I'm two for two on the murder on the couch. So, I mean, she's, <laughs> she's funny and feisty and salty. And I love the fact that, That's that it's awesome. like, you know, you can show that, man, we can have these amazing relationships with the people in our lives that, and, it, and it's, and they can be completely different than us. And it's amazing. And it's so fun and wonderful. So, great. so I highly recommend love that. Love that, that you're too. doing that. Love it's that. Funny. I am going to go give that a listen. That is so great. I didn't know you were doing that. So oh, I'm it's excited brand new. to it's check so it out. Fun. It's so fun. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here and oh, sharing all your information Thank with us. Thank you. And if women, if there are women listening that, that do feel like they're in these relationships with any emotionally immature, you know, fill in the yep. blank, um, reach out to me directly. And the Facebook group is amazing. It's amazing. And so we would love to help people out there. I yeah, need to go get great. in that Facebook group. I Please don't think do. I would there, love so to have you. In. It, it would out. be so good. Okay. And we'll, yeah. we'll get you an invite in there. All right. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Jessica. What a pleasure. I really hope you guys enjoyed this podcast episode. Remember, you can get more from Tony. This is just the tip of the iceberg. All of the links to everything he offers is in the show notes, as well as Tony wanted to provide you today with access to a free course that he has. So you can pick up his parenting course or his mini marriage workshop by simply emailing contact at tonyoverbay.com and he will provide you with free access to that. You guys, this is the cool thing about this summer series is not only do you get to learn and grow, but most of the people who are coming on here have free offers for you so you can take advantage of those 
and get going and do the work that you need to do. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. We will be back next week with another amazing interview. I can't wait for you guys to hear all of these. And I genuinely mean that every week. Like these interviews have been so impactful for me. And I know that therefore they will be impactful for you because we all get something out of it, whether it's the same thing I got or not. So I look forward to being back with you next week. And I hope you enjoyed Tony Overbay today. <laughs>